Welcome to the Union Weekly Insider. I'm Andrew Lindy. This is the official podcast for the Union Weekly out of Cal State Long Beach. I'm going to take you behind the scenes and show you what it takes to put together a weekly student publication. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Union Weekly Insider. I'm Andrew Lindy and I'm sitting here with Jordan Daniels. How's it going, guys? <laughs> I wanted to have a, a nice sit-down conversation with you for a while now. So, um, Jordan, yes, <laughs> I want to know about your journey. <laughs> my, my journey, okay. I want to um, know about you. Okay, what do you want to know? I, I, well, first I want to know, how did you get started with the, uh, the Union Weekly? Well, um, I transferred here from the lovely town of Oceanside, California, um, and transferred to my community college and came here for journalism and public relations for my major. And so I took the writing for the 49er, 49er class. Um, so I originally wrote for 49er for the first semester, all, all, all semester. And my friends in my class were part of the Union Weekly. And not another foreign class friends I met at SOAR the transfer um, information day, um, and in my my peer classes they were in Union Weekly. Um, Emily and Savannah, and so I wanted to contribute because I felt that the foreign honor, which I uh, like, I hugely respect and admire, that their format wasn't necessarily for me. You know, it's definitely it, you know it, it, you know it, it is more more newsy. It's more stylistic, and I. Want a more express, expressionistic type of you know you know like like my style is more is more is more expressionistic for running and I, am not huge on like restrictions and limitations of what I can do, so I wanted to contribute to the Union Weekly um just to like you know, just like do more things because you know you know it's more feature magazine ish style writing for Union Weekly so I wanted that experience as well as well as like news writing as well too, um and so I wrote for Union Weekly and then Katie and Richard had talked to me, I think at one point I did like three four stories in a whole week. Um, and Katie and Richard talked to me and said, we really want you to be a staff writer for the Union Weekly. And I was like, well, that sounds great because I am not getting what I want out of Fortnite in the sense I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm getting great experience, such I, which I like constantly think about and thank Fortnite for because I think it's a great, it's a great, like a great way to start off with, with your writing, especially when you don't know a lot about like journalism writing. Um, but I was really into the the brand more than weekly, and so I started so I started writing with them um, the next semester as a staff writer, and then now I'm the opinions editor opinions editor this semester year hopefully. <laughs> How do you like being the opinions editor? Um, I do love it. It is a bit of a challenge, in the sense that it's hard to find writers because people believe that writing opinions is easy, but it really isn't because when you think about it, having an opinion is not easy at all. You have to be active and strong and support what you're saying. It's not about like, it's not opinions aren't. I think so and so is dumb. It's I think so and so is not good for X, Y, and Z. And let me support that with these statements. And it's hard to do that. Um, but at the same time, I'm all about transparency and I'm all about like cultivating a voice. I, um, growing up, I did not have a big voice growing up as a person. Um, I was bullied a lot for a lot of reasons, and so I. And it's it's really ironic because I always say like I was a big guy with a small voice, and so when I went to community college, I start really I really started finding that voice when I became more like of an activist of sorts, and so I'm all about cultivating and finding a voice and like learning how to shape it up and master it, you know. And I I mean I'm very opinionated, I'm very outspoken, I'm very honest, I'm very blunt, 
Um, I'm not condescending at all in any way. At least, I, that's, at least that's how I feel. You can disagree with me if you want. That's your opinion. <laughs> so write about it and send it to me. <laughs> but yeah, but you know, I definitely feel. Um, I, I mean, I feel really good, and I always ask my writers who I work with, I say, if there's anything that I'm doing that you don't like, like, please tell me, because I can't be a better editor, I can't be a better person if I don't know what I'm doing wrong, if I'm doing anything wrong. But I haven't had any complaints so far, so that's really good. I hope you're not scared of me. I don't think I'm intimidating, necessarily. <laughs> I can be, but I try not to be. But yeah, like I said, I'm all about transparency, and I love being an opinions editor because... I want to like help cultivate and be a platform for voices. Not it's not about like me doing it. It's like my page is a platform for other voices. I think a big thing that I approach this semester is that I want to get outside voices as well, not necessarily those who are in the, the journalism department. Because I think there is like with opinions, you have the freedom to be to be an outside voice and make it heard. You know. So you, I think it's safe to say that a lot of people say that you have a, a big personality around the <laughs> office safe to say <laughs> when when do you think you came into that uh, big personality Ooh, um i've always had it i will say i've always had a big personality um my parents my mom especially um as a businesswoman and so as if you think about it being a woman in corporate america which is uh you know quote unquote man dominated world um you have to have a big personality you know um, and my dad is a, growing up. He's a big. Growing up from when and when I see him, he was not when I see him. He lives with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> growing up with my father, um, he's different now because he's had several strokes since um, since a few the past few years. But before his stroke, um, he was very he was he was more quiet and reserved. But when you got to know him, he had a huge personality as well. So I've always had two like type A personalities in a sense um, in a sense growing up with. So I really didn't have a choice but to become a big big personality. Um, so I've always had it. I had it a lot around family and like very few friends growing up because like I said being bullied I had a really small voice in that sense um, when high school came I like became more a bit more boisterous I became a bit more um, open with like how I with, with, with like what I think and who I am and stuff but I think college is what college community college when I really found that voice because I um, I grew up in the Bay Area um, shout out to East Bay um, and so I moved after high school to Ocean Aside. So I moved from a really huge, like, culturally diverse area where, like, you know, every house on my street was a different culture to a predominantly, to, to a predom predominantly white area um, in Oceanside. And my community college was predominantly white as well. So I got thrown into a really huge, like, I guess, culture shock in that sense. And I realized I need to get myself out there. And it's funny because even coming from, coming from the Bay Area, a lot of people are like, oh, you're so different and so, like, interesting and fascinating because you're from, like, a different place, you know? Um, which is which really funny because I, I really never felt, felt like I fit into a certain, like, mold. And so um, I think I think that's that really got me into, like, my whole big personality was that, like, I knew, like, you know, like, like I've always known I've been different in some way because I, I, you know, like, I, like I said, I don't, I don't fit in in a lot of ways to different standards or molds. So I've always, so instead of trying to, like, find a place where I fit in. I just find a place to transcend those. Um, so I think that contributed a lot with being thrown into a different type of culture where I had to do that to be heard, you know? And now I'm all about being heard. I make sure now my voice is heard as opposed to waiting for someone else to hear me. Do you incorporate these ideas of not fitting in uh, in your uh, work as an opinions editor? Um, yes, I, 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 I want to say I do. Um, I, think, I think my second issue... Um, I wanted to, I wanted to have two pieces about coming into the school year, um, based off of 
things that have things that have transpired over the past summer and last semester in regards to being a black student on campus and a um, LGBT student on campus. And I think already those two points are already an idea of like not fitting in because they're not you know you know you know they're not mainstream. I you know you know like, like me myself like I mixed um, black and Hungarian and then I'm also um, queer as well. So I, like I'm already like I'm already like like an inter- intersectionality of that. So I don't fit in on that. In that, in that aspect, and so I wanted a piece where, you know, like I like I like you know, like I definitely want like feel good opinion pieces, but I also want stuff that like really matters to people, you know. And I think, and I think it t- I think it didn't it didn't fit in the mainstream in a lot of ways. One because it was a really good collection, like a, an account of a black experience and a gay experience on campus, you know. And when you talk about a campus as a whole, as a collective, you know, you don't want to hear about like bad things that happen. So that was very different in the sense of like. They were both not great experiences that I think people deserve to hear because other people go through that experience and they don't know that anyone else knows how they feel. You know, so the, so the gay um, aspect was about you know like you know like how every every so often we'll have someone who has a, a, a religious affiliation come on campus and preach about how like homosexuality is a sin and we're all gonna burn in hell. And then um, you know the past was transpired with Black Lives Matter movement in terms of like in terms of like sort of like racial injustice against against black citizens and the whole like, knife gate incident last semester. So I think that was very different. I think it was different in the sense that um sorry, I'm getting like it makes me, it makes me, makes me like heart swell when I think about it because I was, I, was I was just really happy with both pe- both pieces. Um, it makes it different in the sense that, like I said, I had the the black account was someone who's not in the Jones department or program and not a staff writer, so I so I had like someone from the outside do like an inside inside perspective, and that to me that's really different as well. I really want to, you know, be alternative. I'm like I'm a very un- unconventional person as it is already, and so I want to find ways to incorporate that into being an editor. So I think I did do that to answer your question in a concise way. I'm an oversharer. I am so sorry. <laughs> no, that's good. This is why I wanted you on a on a more long form <laughs> style interview. Oh gosh, <laughs> I'm gonna hear my voice for an hour. I'm gonna be like, I cannot deal with myself. Uh, so have you on this campus at Cal State Long Beach had any of those negative experiences personally yourself? Um, yes, I have seen the preachers on campus who talk about um, being homosexual is a sin, how bad it is, and that I'm going to burn in hell. Um, I see hell as, a hot, as like a hot springs resort, so it sounds amazing, to be quite honest. Like a constant, you know, hot tub. Maybe, although, maybe too hot, considering how humid it is, but if it's, if, it's, if it's as humid in hell as it is right now in America, um, I probably won't like it very much. Um, I'm already dying as it is. Um, but yeah, so I've definitely experienced that. I've experienced, you know, I, I think people don't understand that when things happen that affect your community, it doesn't have to affect you, it doesn't have to affect you directly in person, it still affects you psychologically. So like, you know, so like when the Holy Nephew incident happened, um, where the student pulled, um, a, a white passing student pulled, from my, from my knowledge of what I believe happened, um, from what we were given, a white passing student pulled a knife out behind a black woman, black woman in the middle of a class in a racially, racially charged discussion. Um, that affected me psychologically, one, because I am a huge proprietor of, um, I think proprietors are the, the correct word, right? Well, I'm a huge, like, I'm largely into um, women's rights. I'm in, I don't find, I identify as, a, as a, an intersexual feminist, you know, and I'm all about, like, black empowerment right now as well. Right now, I've always, have, I always have been. Um, and so, that affected me psychologically because that was in just another instance on a local level of that there wasn't much regard for like a black life because when you hear anything about it for a whole week, you know, so, you know, and, and, and I, I think people aren't getting that, that 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 was the issue. There was no transparency. We had to put it out there. We get a tummy warning 
about a sexual assault that doesn't happen on campus at all. That happens like that happens like 20 minutes away, which is I think something so important, and we have a right to know. But my point is that we had a right to know about this incident in campus as, as well, where a knife was put out in class, and they justified it. I was like. It was, it, was, it was a small knife. It was a weapon on campus in a classroom setting. And I think the issue was that, that there was no regard for like a black life in that sense. Who cares if the life wasn't quote unquote in danger? The fact that that happened and there, we heard nothing about it, that really that like, that really bothered me a lot. Um, so I definitely was affected psychologically. Um, I'm also affected a bit differently considering I am mixed, that I'm affected in the sense of like, I get, a, not a lot, but like there are instances where I feel like I have to like validate my blackness as a person. Um, to other like black black students on campus, I have to like hide my blackness around like students of like non color on campus. Um, this this the same thing same thing with like with like like validating like my like my like sexuality. Like I'm not um, a six pack. I'm not like all these the, like standards that we have. And so I I've ex- I experienced it a lot. It may, it may not even be like directly said to me, but it doesn't have to be for it to uh, to affect me. You know, like I, I experienced a lot of like pressures. That are put that are, that are put upon not just be not just me but society as a whole, especially in, in the different communities I am. But I have um, had some I've had some like some like you know some like some like microaggressions on campus as well, where like a student like I, specifically in a class, a student was talking about we were watching um, movies, talking about different films, and I was about how much I love rom coms, and this this you know this like cisgender man was like. I like I can't watch rom coms because it was like those are chick flicks and I was like well, what's wrong with a chick flick and his girlfriend was like well I mean that's okay for you to watch them because like because you know like you're more feminine and I was like so you're saying that I have to be feminine to watch a romantic comedy like that makes that, that like you like you can't genderize a film so like it's like even those like I experience a lot more microaggressions that affect me more than I do like explicitly but I think that's the whole point um I, I, not the whole point but I think that's a whole issue that we have, especially on campus, is the idea of microaggressions and like how people do things in a subtle way that aren't necessarily explicitly like like discriminatory or racist or rude. It's just they say things, you know, like that. Or like, where are you from? <laughs> or um, I love your hair. What is your hair? You have really ethnic hair. It's a bit nappy today. I, get, I have a lot <laughs> of different experiences that I get on campus, which is a bit frustrating. Um, I feel like I became a tangent to that question. <laughs> I did the deny. I did a little bit. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Let's uh, shift gears for uh, a minute. And Shut up, Jordan. I, <laughs> Let me just stop and get back together. Well, I do want to ask you: How did you come to journalism? Oh, that's actually a good question because I, <laughs> my mom always said you should be a lawyer because you argue a lot. <laughs> and I do. I'm a huge negotiator, um, and so I was actually looking into doing environmental law when I was in high school because I was um, in our school sustainability club for two years, and so I was looking at environmental law. And actually, I really wanted to go to, to, to UC San Diego. Um, I did not get in, which thank God to be quite honest because that would be expensive AF and. I would have been being in this. And I realized at that point that when I went to when I started going to community college, at first I was like, oh my God, I'm going to community college. I'm going to be a failure. Um, and yeah, I, there's, there's, there's such a huge stigma attached to community colleges that I am so glad that I got out of that stigma, you know, because it's not true. I think community colleges are great places because you especially learn what you really want to do. And you spend so much less money figuring it out so you can spend the money that you need to spend when you want to really know what you want to do. And I realized that Whatever I like or dislike, 
whenever I just thought, because I also thought doing theater, like being like a, like a theater or film major, because I have done theater my whole life as well. So I wanted to do theater or film, and I realized like regardless of like what I stop or I continue, I've always come back to writing. I've always loved writing. I used to journal. I used to write on Facebook all the time. Like I, I, I would. <laughs> <laughs> this is me really, really, really personal, and I hope that no one, no one thinks this is like in like the like like the way that they're gonna take it as. But I used to like role play on Tumblr, and it's not it's not sexually. People are like you sexualize role play. No, um, role play is like like it like like Teen Wolf the TV show. We'd have those those, those, those like role plays on Tumblr on Tumblr about like Teen Wolves. Like I would be a character on the show. I wrote that role play like, character, and we and, and like so like we're like when the season ends, we'll just take that season further and just continue the season in our own way. So I role play a lot, and I realized like I've always loved writing. You know, I've always had the idea of like being a storyteller. Um, you know, I, it, I mean, you, you can take this as like you can take this as me being arrogant or whatever, but like I think I'm a, like I think I'm, a, I'm a, like I'm a really fascinating person. I like I'm a, I'm a, I, I honestly I honestly like, I like I feel like I interest myself a lot. And so, and I think I think I tell I think I tell really good stories. Um, I love stories. I've always been an idea of stories. I think stories are a great way to suspend belief, but also incorporate lessons that affect reality immensely. Um, so I've always loved writing, and I realized like I've always been into like issues, especially especially like, social issues. I've always been into social issues, especially being that. Um, being built upon inter- intersectionalities of who I am, that I've always experienced social issues, I have always wanted to talk about it. So yeah, so I, I realized I wanted to do journalism after I graduated, and I started doing journalism classes in community college, and I was like, this is what I want to do. Um, I want to do more like freelance, more like op-ed stuff. Um, I also, I kind of want to like open, like open, open, but, like start, like start my own magazine, to be quite honest. I really want to start like like a culture magazine. But I'm gonna stop right there because you asked me what I got into journalism, not what I want to do next. So I'm gonna stop right there. <laughs> so you're you're talking about print media. Is there what are you like reading currently? Um, currently, okay. So I do a mix of print and online. Um, I. Don't do a lot of print, but one because I can't afford it. <laughs> I just can't buy print. I do get GQ sent to me. I'm really into fashion, so I do love GQ. Um, I used to have the the New York Times app on my phone to, to pay for it. And I was like, I'm not paying for this, um, but I do read New York Times. Um, I don't I don't have a lot of print. I think print now I, like I read Dig, I read Forty Nine, I read the New Weekly. Besides that, I you know I get the Edge. Um, I find trying to like free prints that are out as opposed to paying for it because. Um, I'm balling on a budget, and <laughs> my budget is very small. Can barely afford food. I can't afford getting print. Um, I, li- I also like I also like, like to read um like like Lenny, um which 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 is a feminist online newspaper. Um, Variety, Vulture, um, Bustle. I read um I I would say definitely read more online than print. I love print. I love the smell of paper. I know it sounds weird, but I love the smell of paper. Um, it's just it's not as accessible. Um, that and like you know like you know like, you know, like I, I live, live in an apartment and I don't necessarily trust people to not go through my mail and take and take my print so I just stick to online mostly but um but yeah but if I could get print I would oh and time I will always buy time I love time magazine I've always I've always run right for time um I I will buy it in the store if I have to I've I, I love time so my, I think to me like time time is like a standard uh so I want to shift gears again. Uh, you Lane shift. <laughs> you came uh, from Oceanside, and now you're you're living here in Long Beach. Yes, I've been North Long Beach. Uh, how how's that going? Oh, I love it. When I first moved to Long Beach, um, it, when I transferred here, I lived in Bellflower. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw a shade at Bellflower, but I just didn't. 
I didn't like where I was living um, for a plethora of reasons. Um, and my current roommate, Emily, um, my BFF, I'm going to shout out to her. <laughs> She's going to hate me if she ever hears this. Um, she, she she lived in the same, the, like legit the same street. So the, so where, where we live now is li- literally next door to where she lived before in her studio. And so when we hang out and stuff, I'd always go to her place. And I just loved her area. It's, in, um, it's, in, it's, in, it's in around, right, right around the Bixby Knowles and California Heights cusp area. So I absolutely love it there. And we have, we, we, have, we have a cute, like, cute little, like, like Pinterest Pinterest everything apartment like 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 I'm like, sorry like not like we, we ain't Pinterest anything there but like, it should be on Pinterest our apartment is everything I'm not gonna lie um and so yeah so like, I love it I love Lummi Chizuho I was just talking to my mom about this um last night she was visiting me and um her we were, we were with her friend and her friend was talking about Long Beach how she always hears that Long Beach was like getting infested and like dangerous and I was like that's just that's such a huge like like, like misconception like like it's there it's there in every you know like, like metropolitan town but Long Beach is, I think it's a great place. I think we like. I think it's. I think it's. A, I think it's a hip hop town. Um, I mean, <laughs> hip as like as like a hip hop in town. That sounds so white. Hip hop in town. Um, and truly, you know, like like those like, those, like it's artsy. There's a lot of art stuff here. It's um, like there's a lot of great music here. I love the food. I love like I love like our cuisine. I love the culture here. Um, I actually just read that we're one of the most culturally diverse cities in the U.S. As well, so I love Long Beach, and I think there's I think there's so much to do here. I think it's a great, it's a great like it's a great great like LA esque type feel. You know, it's 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 like LA with a more like beach vibe, just not as crazy as LA is. So I love it. It's also a great point, like, like a great like midpoint between like LA and San Diego or something. You know, like you can go to either or. I think I just I love I think the location is great. I love the town. I just I am like pro Long Beach right now. I'm drinking I'm drinking the juice here. Uh, let's take a quick little break, uh, but when we come back, we'll have more Jordan. <laughs> yes, okay, my name is Quinn, and I'm an executive producer at College Beat. College Beat Television is a student-run production company, and um, we focus on like basically all aspects of production, whether it be pre-writing, directing, producing. Like, If students want to get involved, they don't need to know um, if like they're beginners and they want to learn. Like we're open for them and there's training available. So we have a handful, like a lot of shows this semester. Um, we have Beach Access, which is more of like a journalism. Um, we do more on location stuff. Do you want to go over what like the home beach is? I don't know how to describe your show this semester. You're taking a different direction. Yeah, it's a satirical like news variety show. And then there is um, we have Spotlight this semester, which is more of a short form um, video content. So if you think like trending news, we have. Studio 112, which is more catered to uh, narrative videos. And then we have also have um, videos that other volunteers are producing, like, such as And We Vote, CV Life, and oh, there's also Sketch. Um, Sketch is uh, basically, if you think like Key and Peel type of content, just as it sounds like sketch comedy. The best way to find us and get involved is through our Facebook page. Yeah, you get all the updates up there, and if, you'll find out if we're uploading on YouTube. All right, we're back with the Union Weekly Insider. I'm sitting here talking to Jordan Daniels, who is the current opinions editor at the Long Beach Union Weekly. What's up? Now, I wanted to uh, circle back on something that you mentioned earlier. Uh, you mentioned that when you were growing up, you were uh, uh, bullied. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes and and you had mentioned that, uh, of course, uh, you, you are, are queer, you're of mixed race. Uh, do you feel that all of those things uh, came together to uh, kind of inform your the way that you view the world? Uh, yes, yes. 
Yes and no. Um, I think, okay, so, okay, so yeah, so um, I'm queer. I am mixed race. I have a speech impediment. I am overweight or like obese, quote unquote obese by like, by like, by like scientific standards of my doctor, which I can't stand you right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, but so, um, so I really <laughs> do not fit. And in the in a pun, pun intended, do not fit into any type of like social like mean, you know, um, and so or, or, or sorry or like or a hierarchy, and so I definitely think it has shaped my view of the world in a lot of ways. I think I had a lot more like not hatred but like distaste for society before. Now I'm all about finding my own space and making space and acknowledging that I'm worthy of taking up space. I think that's a huge thing for me is that I always believe that I couldn't take up space. You know, it's which is ironic because literally I am I mean, I'm overweight. So it's like I take up more space than the average person. But I always like shrink. Like I shrink myself down. Um even like, even in, in my by my body language. My friends have made this point to me several times. When we're like when like like when we're in crowds, I can maneuver crowds like a snake. You could you would think I can't squeeze past people, I can squeeze past the tiniest part of anybody like and people are like Jordan like no offense but like you're a bit like but, you know but, like you're bigger it's like how do you do that and that's because like I've been taught to like take up less space as a person um so my view of the world when I was younger was definitely like the world hates me I am I'm never gonna fit in I'm too gay I'm too feminine I'm too fat I'm too black for um the white passing folks I'm too white for the um people of color you know I I'm too much of everything and at some point I realized like why is too much so bad? Like, we're all taught as children to never be too little, but when you are literally too much, then it's a problem. And I was like, I'm tired of subscribing to this, excuse me, idea that I'm too much. Like, you can, you can never have too much of anything, truly. Like, people say you can, but I don't feel that way. I don't think I can be, you know, you know I don't think I can be too much. I think, you know, when people are like, you're so extra, I'm like, I'm just enough, to be quite honest, because I shouldn't be shamed for like for like for you know for like the things I am I used to treat what I used to, I used to treat who I am as an affectation let you know you you like you know like my weight happened to me being gay happened to me being black happened to me being mixed race happened to me um my speech happened to me um that did happen to me <laughs> on that part but um but really like you know like like I used to treat it as like some sort of curse and I realized like the power you have and embracing that and owning that is a power that like society or a person does not have over you anymore. You know, now like I will say I'm fat. I will say I'm queer. I'll say I'm fat, black, queer, mixed race, I have a speech impediment. I am loud AF. I am crazy as heck. I am also passionate and humble. I think I'm a great friend. I think I'd be a great like 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 significant other to to, to another person. Like I am all these things, and that's part of who I am. And I think that shaped my 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 view of the world. Now it's not it's not so pessimistic as it used to be. I'm very about po- you know very about being like being positive. Um, Emily's gonna hate me. I, I'm gonna talk to her a lot because to be honest, like I, I I don't I don't think she gets this, but like the impact she's had on me just in our, in our friendship of like the idea of like being positive about all these things in life. You know that like not subscribing to negativity because tr- tr- like truly like being negative is a choice. 
just like being positive is a choice as well. It's all about your choice. And like I'm choosing to have a better outlook of the world. I think the world is a crazy place. I think it's messed up currently, especially given especially given like our law of our social injustices and inequalities, which is a huge issue that I could literally spend hours on considering a lot of information just learned um recently about like how like government the like, government used to like red line and green line different um housing property areas and stuff. Um but yeah, like but like I choose to be positive on my outlook of the world because I can't waste energy, you know, and time being negative. I'm wrong. Like I'm very realistic. I'm very realistic as well. But I'm choosing to not let things affect me in the way that society wants it wants it to affect me. You know, like society wants to tell me that I should lose weight. Okay. I mean I should I mean I should work out more, I guess, to make myself feel better if I want to. But I don't need to like lose weight because society tells me so. They think it's a that they think that weight is a causation for like health issues. There's a correlation, but it's not causing it. You know, I'm not gonna die because I'm overweight. On top of that, we're all gonna die anyways, so I really can't prevent that from happening at any point in time. Um, you know, I so like you know, like I like I have changed my outlook a lot and I think even the past like three years since I started this whole like, self love thing, that's changed my outlook immensely in how I view society in the world. Now I view it as like society will do X Y Z to try and try and bring me down, but there's also a place in society that will tell me you are doing good for resisting this. And there's a place in society that will say we celebrate you because you are fighting what we've told you. Um, I know not everyone will believe that, but I think there is a place in society that will celebrate you for being you. You just have to find it and make that space yourself. Now, you've started a, a project online uh, based on this idea of positivity in life and body positivity, uh, right? What is, what's that all about? Um, yes. Yeah. So I started um, a project called This Is Me, um, the hashtag This Is Me project. Um, and I began it because um, the idea of representation is so important to me. Um, like I said, again, like being such a huge intersectionality of a lot of different things that make up who I am. I feel like I was never truly, truly represented very well growing up. You know, the fat person on television was a but they were either they were either funny, um, or they're the butt of they're the butt of anyone of everyone's jokes. You know, everyone made fun of the fat kid or the the fat kid. You know, like you know, like you know, like was the ugly one. If you were gay, you were funny, but no one liked you. There was no there was no arc for your growth as a character. Um, blacks were criminals. They were thugs. They were poor and uneducated, um, and whites were seen as this like master, um, all amazing, all encompassing of what you want to be in life. And so I feel like I was never truly represented a lot growing up, um, at least not for who I was. I think, you know, I, I, I will say this, we're talking about, um, my friends are talking about like, like the, the, the Disney Channel and stuff. In my generation, there was a lot of, there was a lot of re representation in different ways, especially in like original movies or like that's Raven, like to color friendship and stuff. There was a lot of representation in different ways, but like, as an, but, but like the idea of intersectionality was not there. And so I wanted that. And I kept, and like, I think as people, we keep waiting for that to happen. You know, um, like I started the, I started like my body, body positivity self love journey. When I discovered Tess, Tess Holiday, who is a huge body, um, like body, body positive activist, I believe she's like she's usually like a fat accepting, fat, fat accepting, I can't English, fat accepting activist as well. Um, you know, if no offense, if you don't know who she is, like, 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 like you need to get out because she, I think she's amazing. Um, um, and she's she's very conscious as well as like, as, as like where she fits into this, you know, because you know like she's white, so she also understands the idea of like there's such a huge intersection when it comes to like black fat positivity and black body positivity and being a people person of color and stuff. She's very conscious. Um, but anywho, 
I was waiting for the next test holiday. And I think I started this project more in response of Zach Mikos, who became like the first like male plus size model um, this past this past year. And it bugged me because he's like I want to say like six, over six feet and like two hundred forty pounds. Like he's not like he's overweight, quote unquote overweight, but he's not obese in any way. Like he is like hashtag dad bod. Like like he's the average man to me, you know. I, I won't I wouldn't see him and think, oh my God, he's fat. You know, I, I, would, I would never think that. And so I was really irritated at first because I was like, there's no representation for like, for like, for, for like, you know, like, 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 like the big male. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm into fashion. And in America, there's like hardly any fashion for the, like, for like the big male. And so I got tired of waiting for that to happen. I thought, I just want to start something for myself and just, you know, like, you know, like, like just do it. Um, so I had talked to my friend. Um, <laughs> she's, she's gonna kill me as well because I've never used her pictures at all. She's gonna kill me. She was one of the first people that did the project. <laughs> I've never used her stuff. And it was when I saw her, she was like, I realized that you didn't, you didn't even use my pictures. That's really funny. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. So shout out to me. I love you to death. <laughs> and I'm so sorry. Please don't hate me. But I started with her. And when I was just shooting her for the project, I had also realized like this can be something more than like just me. Like the idea, like I said, the day representation is so vital to. I think humans now, especially in like in the state nature, we talk about a lot about being represented, um, being represented for who you are, and like like in the interse- intersection, in the intersectionalities of who you are. Um, so I started. I want to say in, I guess Aprilish. I think around April, I was like I I was like inspiring this project about being who you are. And so I have people outline it on their bodies with like I, I've been using like um like this like this like eyeliner, pen um, eyeliner stick which works amazingly and it comes off so easily with like makeup wipes. I'm using that and people outline um what pressures are on them from, from society what society tells them that they are or makes them feel so like i wrote like unlovable and unworthy i wrote unlovable on my stomach and unworthy on my arm because i felt like my weight meant that i would never find happiness and like a, in like a significant other um and then you contrast it with messages of messages of like positivity that you have for yourself that you try to tell yourself or that you try to tell like to society so i wrote that i am um worth it um i have one friend who wrote too dark on her arm and she wrote horse hair um because people would say she has horse hair because she um has weaves and so when she'd have her, her new when she'd have her new have her weaves out and not have her braids in people would say she has horse hair you know and then she contrasted with like i'm educated i'm strong i'm a mother i am beautiful you know i've had um you know someone write about just like just new, new, like new, like new, like new, like um they wrote freak on their chin because they felt like growing up people thought they were a freak because they didn't have like a defined chin and now and then she contrasted with i am a freak and she embraces that you know it's more than just one one issue it can be physical it can be Personality-wise, it can be being able-bodied, being um like you know, or or being disabled. It can be like having like you know like, like social anxiety or or you know or like a mental disorder or for being different race, different economic status. I want to be encompassing of all the factors that society and pressures that society places on us, and then I want to contrast it as a giant like you know you know not just like a middle finger to to society, but also like the idea of creating dialogue about what how, what affects us. And I think. Um, it, it's, getting, it's, getting, it's getting really big, really big now, which is a bit terrifying because I didn't imagine this to happen. We have, I think, like two thousand followers on Instagram now, which is really scary. <laughs> um, but also really cool to um, be yeah, like. Um, so I think it, that shift. That, sorry, I heard a song. That shift came. Um, I started realizing that this can be more than just about like physical, because I want to be. Because at first I was just about physical stuff, and I realized why not transcend that and be encompassing of everything of all these factors about who people are. So, 
You mentioned uh, That's So Raven in the Disney Channel original movies. Was there anything on network television, any character or situation in network television or even in, uh, you know, a Hollywood, big Hollywood film that uh, a character that you saw and you thought, oh, this is me or this represents who I am? Growing up? Yeah, growing up. No, I don't think there was one movie I saw. Um, Well, no. Okay, well, I will say um, Hairspray the Musical. Um, not not the original '80s movie, but John Waters, which I love. John Waters, one of my favorite, like f- favorite everything. Because this is so stylistic and stylistic and expressionistic, what he does. Um, but the musical, I think that that was one of the first moments I've had where I was like, I, I like I identify with this because Tracy Turnblad is a overweight woman, um, and it's, you know it's about her journey with like acceptance and stuff, and you love her because she. Goes to the, the issues of like you know you know especially her mom puts on her like you know like, like her mom's always trying to lose weight but then the next diet craze, um, and she like Tracy definitely goes through her issues as well. But at the end of the day, like she loves herself for who she is and she loves like her body, you know, and she doesn't have to change herself in that way to get a man. Like she ends up getting Zac Efron and and um in the movie that, um, adaptation, um and you know and then but I believe it was Matthew Morrison, um but yeah, but yeah but the point is itself is like she gets. She, she gets the man she wants, and she's happy. And she doesn't have to change her weight for it. I think that was like the first big key moment where I realized, like, like this I identify with this because I shouldn't have to change, like, my weight for somebody. If I'm happy with, 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 with who, how I look and who I am, then, you know, like, why can't someone see that? I think that was one of the first ones. Besides that, I really can't think of anything, um, especially, especially when it comes to sexuality. Um, you know, being queer is not a thing you saw on television. A lot. Um, I watched. I used to watch Sex City, Sex City with my mom growing up. I love that sex show. So <laughs> love that show. Sex in the City. Um, I cannot. I need English properly. Um, I love that show. But even then, like the gay characters on there, there was no really arc for them. There was Stanford and Anthony, but there was no arc for them. They were just there for a comic relief, and that you know, I mean, that's that's frustrating because it makes me feel like I'm just a comic relief. I went through a lot of issues thinking that I'm just a token gay. I'm just a gay who's there to make everyone laugh and that's it and there's no depth to who I am or that people thought that of me. Do you think that's why you wanted to go into film or theater? <sighs> yes. Yes and no. Um, I originally did theater because to me it was more of like an escape ta- tactic that I could be a character for an, for a, a short amount of time that's like celebrated in this like you know in the, in this in, in this production whether it's a antagonistic character or, or, or protagonist or good kid or bad character, um, like they're like you know like they're meant to be here, so I think it gave me like it did give me like you know like a place of belonging. But even I also realized that even in theater like I was always like I was always asked to bring like a sassiness to my characters. Um, which truly, I mean, sassiness is just a euphemism for, like, be more gay, because that's funny, you know. Um, so, yeah, which I think is also the reason why I have kind of taken a step back from theater, because I think I was typecast in the same way, which I understand why, because, you know, like, I'm good at, I, I think I'm good at being funny on stage. I am. I will say that. But I was tired of, like, being the same character. But there, even, even growing up, there still weren't a lot of plays. I think the first, like, big play I did that really talk about sexuality was the Larry Project, but even then that was more of like a um, like like documentary like documentary style play. And then um, uh, two years ago I did the um, the Normal Heart, which is a gay focused play. Um, but I think like that was one of the first times I really did something that really, really like, involved like me and like being like in my sexuality. But before then, I used it more as a skip to be a character that wasn't Jordan because I didn't like who Jordan was for a long time. Uh, now, nowadays, do you feel 
like there's more representation on network television and in the big Hollywood films of of any of your intersecting more, personality more, identities? <laughs> more for TV than there is for film, I think. I think film and film. I will say I think film is hard to do it because you have you have to do this whole arc in two two and a half hours, or and a half to two and a half hours, sometimes three. Um, TV, you have a whole season to do it. Um, I think shows like how how to get away get away with murder. Some of my favorite shows. I think the, the I think the I think Connor the character Connor is a gay character. Um, he's white, so there's you know like there's that like some quote unquote issue. Um, but he, you know like his arc is really interesting because it's funny because people people get upset that they say like you know like you know like he's like you know like he's like like he's promiscuous and like that's highlighting that gays are all. Um, I was gonna say. Sluts. I'm gonna say sluts. Um, you know, you know. I'm not sure I can say that on this. One. I'm gonna say sluts. Um, but like that highlights that all the all the all gay terms and their sluts or something. Um, but the, I don't think people got like the still like you know the idea of, of like of, like gay sex on national television was a huge thing. You know, they showed him essentially like giving like a rim job to a man, which is not something that can I say that <laughs> or um, we're pushing the limits. <laughs> I am a limit pusher. I will go to the edge. <laughs> oh, he brought him to the edge too on that. That's gonna be a good scene. Who was hot? Anyways, um, no, no, really, like you know, like you know, like, you know, like doing that on national television was such a huge thing. And it's funny because they're saying like you know, like oh he's he's like he's such like a slut and stuff. But I thought if this was a straight man, you would just say oh my god, like like you know, like look at him, you know, like like he's he's like, he's doing good. But because he's a gay man, like this is nasty or bad. And so I saw I I think he broke that barrier essentially in a way. Um, I think Empire, I love Empire. It's one of my favorite shows. I would say Hockey Avengers is one of my favorite shows as well because Viola Davis is everything as an actress. And I think even for her character, um, being black and a woman in power, that's two things. Being black and in power and being woman in power is such... It's such it's such a, we have never we've never been fed in our lives as like as like possible. And I think it's amazing that her character and her craft, Belle Davis is an amazing actress. Her craft has really brought that to a forefront. Um, at least for me, at least. Um, and then Empire, I think, is a really interesting take because a lot of people would think they're doing nothing but sensationalizing like like the quote unquote that life, you know. But same time, like a lot of empires, a lot of how, how so like a lot of like how like, I grew up with like my dad's other family and you like and you and like black culture. I think it touches on a lot of issues and I think Jamal as a character being um you know black and gay is an interesting issue as well because he a lot of times has to deal with the idea of like being too feminine because black culture and femininity in a man is really, really um big as equivalent to the idea of like machismo and the Hispanic um you know, Hispanic and like um like Latin like Latin X community as well. You know, um, so I think there's more there's more representation in TV shows. I think being overweight, I don't, I don't know about that necessarily. I haven't seen much, but I definitely see it in terms of like race um, and sexuality. Um, I'm trying to think what else might be. But I, I think like, like those are two like like I think those are two like 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 like, like controversial. I think Empire is really controversial because like that like that stuff is really big in the terms of like what's happening. Um, but I think you have to like you 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 like you have to analyze it as a viewer as well. Cause I think a lot of people don't don't understand that. Like like you know, like a lot of people just thought like oh like you know it's just Viola Davis, you know she's a great actress. But but no one's thinking like they're showing that they're showing they're showing a black woman in power. You know you know with Empire they're showing a black they're showing a black woman in power. They're showing a black family in power. Um, yes, it's the music industry and that and like that's a stereotype that black people are, are quote unquote only good with music and stuff. And that is a frustrating um, archetype archetype and trope that I. And frustrated to see a little bit on television, but at the same time, 
still showing like you know like people of color in power I'm trying to think um jane the virgin i hear i haven't seen it before but here that's an amazing show as well um just the idea of like being like a hispanic actress um i think it's funny there was a there was a moment um i want to say it was the emmys last year that it was like michelle rodriguez uh, eva longoria or no, no i think it was jane rodriguez and eva longoria brought out they came out to present and they were like hi i'm michelle rodriguez hi i'm america ferrera because people get them mixed up for some reason i thought that i thought that was really funny but that also shows that like the lack of representation is so strong you know in different communities as well but i, but I think we're getting to a point where we show, we're, we're getting more presentation but i don't no way will i say it's there yet we're just we're finally starting a dialogue about it all right we're going to take one more quick break when we come back more with jordan <laughs> Yeah, I'm Jay Holloway, the general manager slash deep thought maestro at K-Beach. K-Beach. Uh, <laughs> it's a unique place. I'll be nice to say that much. Uh, we have various uh, programs, music, sports, and news. And we do have a lot of live broadcasts, uh, mostly for sports. We have special events. It's mostly student-run, student-supported. Uh we do have community uh, partners with us to help us out with DJs and volunteering, all this lovely stuff. And we try to give students the best way to show their inner selves behind the microphone. And then they go through extensive amount of training. And once they finish the training, then they can maybe get a show or be a show host or a operator, stuff like that. Uh, and it's a, it's a fun time, very fun time. I do a show called Beach Center, and that's more of a... Uh, Sports and news, I will say informational hour from 12 to 1. We have other shows uh, like Small Talk. We have a show called Filthy Weird. Uh, it's pretty much what it's, that's what it's called, Filthy Weird. And we have a morning show called Good Morning Long Beach State. And a night show called Sleep Tight Long Beach State. You can get me on my email at jay at kbeach.org. You're listening to the Union Weekly Insider. This is a special interview with Jordan Daniels, hey opinions editor at the Union Weekly. Now, I wanted to ask you what, how you feel about being a millennial. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this actually, that's actually really, really good question. A really good question, because the divide that there is on like millennials or Generation Y, and I'm looking at specific people <laughs> who I who I love, uh, who I do love and adore. But I think it's really interesting that they have like issues with being like millennials. Um, the stigma of millennials is sometimes a true stigma, um, but also it is you know it can't encompass like how we all are. I 100% identify as a millennial. I'm sorry, but if you were born within like like within the decade before the millennium, you are a millennial. That's just how I see it. You can say generation Y, that's totally fine as well. But in the, the day, like you're a millennial, and you can't, like, I mean, like, like you, know, like you don't have to, you don't have to identify with it. But like, and like, you know, and, and, and you know, and like, I'm about like not having labels. But like, if you're grouped as a millennial, like, just stay with it. Like, why, like, 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 why do you have to have like, such a negative connotation with it? I think millennials are at the forefront of a lot of social um, activism. You know, I think as a, I think as a collective, those of us who are conscious and woke. Um, we are we we were at the forefront of change. You know, we are talking about women's rights. We're talking about feminism. We're talking about black liberation. We're talking about black empowerment. We're talking about um, Latinx communities. We're talking about um, LGBT rights. We're talking about all these things that are so important and necessary to have in society. That I think, um, I think it's empowering to be a millennial. You know, people. I think 
you know, there are certain there are certain things like the idea of like being entitled that 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 thing that word bothers bothers me a lot. The idea of being entitled that you have to like pay your dues and do this to like be somebody. And I I don't subscribe to that because I'm it's not about it's not about being entitled. It's just about knowing of like the knowing that like what I want or what I fight for is more than what I'm being given. You know. Um, I think a lot of people in the older, older, older generation say like, you know, like, you know, like when I was your age, we didn't have this. Well, that's not my fault. <laughs> and you like, you like, no, offense, but you, you can't, you can't put that on me. And like, you know, like, you can say I'm intelligent or arrogant. That's fine. I would, I would, I disagree. I disagree with you. But what you're saying is that you're like, you're like, like, like you're putting the blame on me for what your generation has done, you know? So I, so I, I embrace being a millennial. I think it's a great thing. I know that I fight for a lot of change. I fight for I fight for a lot of rights and activism. Um, I know a lot of people who identify as millennials who do, who, who do the same thing. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it's just I, I mean at, at the end of the day it's how you identify. That's and that's totally cool. But I wouldn't see it as being a bad thing. I guess I, I know we have our um, our stigmas of being you know like you know, you know like only being to like hook up cultures or only being or you know like or like we're always on our phones. We're never like being communal. Communal. We're never like talking in person and stuff. Um, that's just like that's just a stigma to me. Um, and, and you and then you like there's always gonna be a stigma of every generation group. It's not just millennials. We're just, I think I think there's I think the, I think there's an issue with us because we're so vocal. I think that's the biggest thing is that because we're so vocal that people that people now have an issue about it. And and, and I'm thinking no offense to like you know you you, you, you to, like my parents like my parents often make jokes about how I'm too smart for my own good or that you know you know I argue too much and, I, and to an extent I definitely do. I definitely think I do act too grown sometimes, but. Then the day, like that's how I was raised. That's how all of us. That's how a lot of us are raised. You know, we were always we we're told that we can be somebody, that we could do anything we want to do, um, if we work for it. And then now being told, you know, don't shoot, you know, don't aim so high, don't, you know, don't try so hard. You can't, like, you can't do it, get everything you want, blah blah blah. But there's no reason why it's not. Like, besides the fact that there's that there's a huge lack of opportunity, especially for like people of color and different sexualities and different um, backgrounds. Um, there's. Besides, like, they like, take that out. There's no reason why we can't achieve these things, and I and I think and I think it's I think it's a bit um, childish on the on like on the older 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 generations part to say that we can't just that we're entitled to it because this is what we were told growing up and now we're being told the opposite. And I think and I just think I think like that's the issue. Or you know, or they say like you like you like you know, like you like, you millennials have a problem with authority. Um, no, I don't. I, I respect my authority figures if I feel they're right. I have a problem with being told to not do something that I believe is, that I, I, I have a problem with being told to do something that I believe is wrong. And again, that's when I was told as a child was to stand up for what I believe in. It's not about, it's not about not respecting, being disrespectful. It's about, I don't believe, like, I believe what you're doing is wrong. I'm not going to say, I'm going to say something about it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be complacent in, in, in something that I don't, that I don't believe in. So I think a lot of things that are attached to being millennial are just are just there because it's all about control at the end of the day to me. It's all about the control. And if they can't if they can't control us, then they're gonna talk mess about us and throw shade left and right. That's it. But I and but <laughs> um, overall I like I, I identify as millennial to answer your question. <laughs> Not be a tangent again. See, you can't ask an activist these things like that because I'm gonna be like, let me tell you how I feel about it. Yeah. Now you're looking to graduate in the spring. I hope so. What's next after that? <laughs> uh, oh my God, I hate this question. Okay, I hate this question for several reasons. One, because we're expected, <laughs> this is back to this idea of activism, we're expected 
as students and millennials to have an idea of what we want to do with our lives. Mind you, we're we're not given high high opportunities from the older generations. I'm looking at you guys. I'm looking at you guys, baby baby boomers. We're expected to do all these things and have have our whole lives planned out when we're not given the opportunity to do so. So stop asking us questions like, "What do you have next?" I don't even know what I want to have for lunch tomorrow. I don't know. What I'm, I'm, what you think I'm going to know about what I'm going to do next year after I graduate? I don't. Um, I have an idea though, I, and I had to have I do have plans to get there. I will say. I think for myself, um, I have an idea of what I want to do, and I have an idea of how I want to get there. What happened, I don't know. That is honestly up in the air, um, as as with anything is these days, for especially for millennials. So, be, so being a millennial is actually tough. We're not entitled. We actually have a hard life. You don't understand that, guys. But we actually have a hard life. Um, I know people are going to disagree with me and say that's controversial, but there's a lot of pressure placed on, especially on college students, to have everything figured out when we don't have the resources to do so. Um, going back to myself, my plan after I graduate, I don't know. Um, my parents are both disabled, and so I think a lot about if I want, if I want to move home or not, about to decide with them, just to help them out until I can be stable financially. However, like, I'm really into the idea of just, like, throwing myself into something that's new and crazy, um, that's terrifying as well, believe me. But, I, you know, like, I was raised to be independent. I was raised to, like, you know, to, like, do things out of my comfort zone because you won't know if, if you can make it if you, unless you try it. Um, so I don't know. Um, I kind of want to start a magazine, to be quite honest. Um, that's one thing I'm thinking about right now. A lot, a lot depends on where this project takes off, um, you know, how it takes off, if it's something that can continue in the future as well. Um, it depends if I find if I find a job um, in my career. You know, I'm, glad, I'm fortunate enough to have a job right now that, that kind of ties into what I want to do with my life. Um, but I know after I graduate, that's not going to happen anymore because you have to be a student here um, to have that job. So I don't know yet, but I'm also not stressing myself out about it because I'm fortunate enough to have to have the ability to take a step back and move back home, which is a, which is a, I think which is a um, a convenience that not, not a lot of people have. And I totally acknowledge that. And I think I'm very fortunate to have that um, that my family that my family um, says that I can move back with them if I need to. Um, so I, I, I know I, I have that second option. I want to do whatever I can to not to not to not um, use that option because I know for myself, like, you know, like I want to prove to myself that I can do this. That I can be on my own, you know. So if I have if I have my way, what's next is I'll get my own apartment. Just try living, living my own thing. I love I love my roommate. Like, ugh, I love Again, Emily. Shout out to you. You are the best. I adore you in every possible way. Um, you know, you, you, you know, you know, like you know, you know, like you like. I want to start being like, like being an adult and like living on my own and like doing my own thing and stuff. So I've had my way. I, I have my, I live my own. I, I honestly think I'd, I'd, I'd want to stay in Long Beach for a little bit longer. Um, maybe find something to do like work wise here. Um, I, I'd love to like freelance, freelance if I could, um, to some publications. And I would love to continue doing like social commentary and social projects. That's what I'm. Really, really, really looking at you know PR is my major and I love public relations um, and it definitely is a passion of mine. However, like and then they like I love to write about uh, you know about uh, you know about like about social stuff. I love to be a social social commentator. I want to make a change and still changing and like, and like instill dialogue and facilitate that. That's all about it's all about who I am. I, I love being transparent. I love um, talking about transparency. I love talking about everything. Clearly, as I'm oversharing my entire life story here. Um, but yeah, so that's 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 where I see myself if I have my if I have my way. I could also end up at my parents' house, working, um, a pole. To be quite honest, I don't know. <laughs> where, where, where this point is where, where, where life takes me again. Lunch tomorrow is my, is, is my is my biggest thought. So. <laughs>
Uh, well, thank you, Jordan, for sitting down with me. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, where can we find your project online? Um, so you can follow us on This Is Me Proj, P R O J. Um, that's on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, we are also dropping our um, film campaign. We're, we're actually doing a film as well, a fictionalized version that I wrote about the project for a script. So we're having our campaign launch hopefully um, this upcoming week, and that will be on Seed and Spark. Um, so we will be linking the, that that campaign to our to our Instagram and Facebook. Um, we will also be having Snapchat and Twitter once we begin production um, of the film and stuff. But you can find us mainly on there. Also, we actually just launched a site. This is me proj.wordpress.com. That's where also you can find us. We'll, we're trying to have more like blog content as well. Um, once this podcast is up, we will also be linking this to our page as well because we, we we want to begin. We want to have like you know like centralized HQ. So yeah, this is me proj for Instagram, Facebook, and this is me proj.wordpress.com. Um, there. If you can't find it, you can you can follow me on Instagram. <laughs> can I plug myself in there yeah. real quick? Oh, I can't because my because okay. J O H O Daniels. I can't <laughs> say out loud because I feel like that might be an issue. But J O H O Daniels um, is my Instagram name, and my the WordPress link is on my page there, and then you can follow all the social medias from the page as well there too. All right. Thank you, Jordan Daniels, opinion editor for the Union Weekly. I'm Andrew Lindy. And you've just listened to the Union Weekly Insider. Thank you for listening to the Union Weekly Insider. To listen to more episodes, check us out on iTunes or any of your favorite podcast apps. New episodes of this podcast drop every Wednesday during the semester. Special thanks to multimedia assistant Allison Meyer for additional editing and recording. Our multimedia manager is Andrew Lindy. Music in this episode is from the YouTube Audio Library. You can find issues of Long Beach Union Weekly online at lbunion.com and on Medium. Go to medium.com and search Long Beach Union Weekly. Please follow us on Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Union Weekly. Next time on the Union Weekly Insider. Hello. Hi. So, Elliot, how's your page going? Well, I've had a bit of a rough start, but these stories are on their way of being edited, and uh, I think it's going to turn out pretty good. It's this, a dinky thing. This is, it's a dinky thing. It's a dinky thing. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a plan since the beginning. I thought it was a bold move, but, you know, people have to take risks, man.